Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidgwick. Here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest Night One. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and our roundup of the week completes with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to Fighter Fest Night 1 and a stacked card, two championship matches, Matt Hardy versus Christian Cage and Michael Sidgwick. The return of Yuka Sakazaki. I can't wait to hear that theme. I cannot wait to hear that goddamn entrance theme. I can't wait to see her in action. Um, yep, that's one of the highlights of a show that looks absolutely studded with them, with one exception, which uh, we'll get into, of course. <laughs> I'm ready for this to bang. I, last week's show was, had some really, really great moments, some proper highs. But I don't think it quite met my expectations for like AW Dynamite is back on the road. Like loads of memorable stuff. And I've already forgotten the stuff that I was bored by. And that's the main thing. Like the takeaways were strong. Um, I feel like this card will be kind of that in reverse. I think there might be a couple of things um, that maybe don't land, but everything else will be hugely memorable. Everything else will pop the crowd. You'll feel the noise and you'll feel the energy that a couple of times last week was missing when I didn't expect it. Mm. This is a bigger crowd as well. It's a proper arena as opposed to an amphitheater. Um, Apparently there was issues miking the crowd last week. Um, So like, that's probably just like a kink. Um, I didn't, I think Dave Meltzer reported that and he's heard it from reports. Um, But I thought they were loud enough at various points and just thought they were not very particularly enthused um, at others. But yeah, this should be, the second show that doesn't have the same teething problems, if in fact that was the case. Proper arena, bigger crowd, some matches that are borderline guaranteed to get them up for it. Like, it's still irresponsible. Like, <laughs> basically what's happened is that the US and the UK have decided, ah, I can't be asked for this anymore. 
can't be asked to spend too long doing it. And honestly, my opinion is that they've probably realized, well, the health services will be knackered and we will completely debilitate all of our medical professionals, but society will continue to just about function. So whatever. And there's that caveat that makes you not enjoy it as much, but people need it. So what are you going to do? I'm all right, Jack, is the general. Yes. Our government covers this, but not to get too political. I'll tell you what, to to just take us in a completely different direction. The mutants will often say, oh, AW's just like uh, TNA back in the day. And yeah, they're right, because it's like a pay-per-view every week at the moment. <laughs> we had Road Rager, we got Fighter Fest Night 1 and 2, we've got Fight for the Fallen to come. I mean, I, I didn't even have time to mention the sodding coffin match in my brief intro. But let's start with the championship matches, Sige. Uh, and tackle John Moxley versus Machine Gun Carl Anderson for the IWGP United States Championship. Mouthwatering. Potentially. Potentially. Um, I would personally measure my expectations. Look, if there's any match in the past 11 years that Carl Anderson, 2012 G1 Climax breakthrough star is going to be up for, it will be this. Um, the crowd will certainly be up for it because John Moxley's the best. His crowd reaction at Double or Nothing just formalised him like euphorically as the folk hero of modern professional wrestling. They would have to have a bad match for this not to be a hot match, you know? Mm. Like, people are going to be bang up for this. Um, Carl Anderson can go. We know he can go. The extent to which that is in the past tense is genuinely up for de- uh, up for debate. He and Doc Gallows, as Luke Gallows, as the club in WWE, like, you have to respect it. You don't have to be entertained by it remotely, but they mastered the art of the two and three quarter star match on WWE TV. How much of that was... Um, Shackles in terms of what people can and can't do in that company. Some people can break free of them and do really good work. I can't remember a single club match in WWE. Ironically, Carl Anderson is in significantly better cosmetic shape than he was in WWE now, but he's never quite had that. They've had some great trios matches, right? But then Kenny Omega and Phoenix are on the ring. They did their bit. I think Carl Anderson needs to deliver a proper great performance here. And I think, cheeky bastard, after nine years, he will. The result <laughs> is in doubt. The result is not in doubt. But, and to be honest, like we often say, oh, the result's not in doubt, but it's all about making you feel otherwise in the moment. With Carl Anderson, where he is in terms of his recent work output, his standing in the pro wrestling world as compared to Moxley, they are going to have to have an absolute banger to really cast out over the outcome, but they'll have the perfect environment in which to do it. Yeah, there, there's a sort of a quiet brilliance about how um, this is serving as John Moxley's reintroduction to AEW after losing uh, a double or nothing. It's not necessarily related to that, obviously, although Carl Anderson and the Young Bucks are allies on screen. It's not even related to Eddie Kingston or the tag belts or even the Super Elite. It's related to the IWGP United States title. It's quite smart of them to bring Moxley back off a clean loss in which he was battered hard in the face by 28 golden triggers and have him be a defending champion. What an inspired touch and a, a nice reminder of how useful this more open relationship between New, like between New Japan and AEW really is. He's going to get that. Heroes welcome. There's a lot of things on this card for various different reasons, knowing how they pace out dynamites that could 
arguably be the main event. I don't think this will, but equally, you could fight for it. You could absolutely fight for this going on last. Um, Mox is going to feel like a headliner. There's a belt on the line. And it does sort of all rest on, not to trivialise him or his work or the last decade, but it feels like it does rest on how much Carl Anderson gives a toss. Like, what what kind of match does he want to have tonight? Because John Moxley has made lemonade with, I don't know, what, apples? What WWE gave him at some mm-hmm. point? Never mind lemons. <laughs> like, so I have no doubt that, like, this can be good. But can it be great? I think that's all up to Carl Anderson. And why would you not want to? There's a spotlight on you here. There's a, a decent viewership. It's all still very new. Crowds being back. Anderson should be shop windowing himself for New Japan, where we know the Good Brothers are going back to, where we are on the verge of announcing uh, brackets for a G1. And they've like surprised us with entrance over the last few years. Like it's, it's on him whether or not he wants it. And I hope he does because they got me in the mood for this with a single video package last week. A lot of this feels very inspired. I hope they stick the landing. Uh, the other championship match is for Brian Cage's FTW championship. He's being challenged by the absolute pace that is Ricky Starks. I saw a great thing on uh, Squared Circle, I think it was this morning, correct me if I'm wrong, lads, that it was Fighter Fest night two last year, I think, that Taz presented Brian Cage with this title. And how apt that just under a year later, he might lose it tonight, Hamlet. Yeah, and I hope he does. Um, I think this has been all very nice. If uh, slightly undermined, I think, by the presentation of what happened earlier tonight that they used last week. Like, uh, it's, I would have rather had nothing at all with the match already set than had that segment we had last week that was uh, so earlier in the night type thing. It just didn't feel as, as relevant. Team Taz does feel like it's been scaled back a bit, but I want them to turn the volume up here. They have absolutely sold me on Brian Cage clearly being too strong and too dangerous and too of his own mind for Taz and Taz getting sick of it. And last week's tease of, oh, this is actually all dissension, not everybody gathering around Brian, like Brian Cage, was maybe just to try and make Brian Cage not come across as thick because it feels like we can all see the turn coming. And the danger there is that Cage was stupid for not seeing it coming as well. Um, But I'd like it to play out like that. Really, I would. I think Ricky Starks makes a great new representative of this title that's a vanity piece, ultimately, for Team Taz. It should stay in the stable. It's not a belt. It's not a championship of prestige, but it's funny when Taz presents it as that. Mm. So I quite like the idea of it staying within the group and this all being the kind of cliched setup all along. I know that seems really dated, but I think they've kind of they've told that story. So just arrive at the, the end of it now. This is going to be white hot. Um, Ricky Starks was a major star in a minor circuit, if you like. Um, he came of age of wrestling age on the Texas Indies. And this is his first match in front of an actual proper crowd, much less a Texas crowd. Um, Brian Cage worked that circuit extensively as well. So this should be wild, like localized heat. And it should be a great match. Um, Ricky Starks is going to play the cowardly cut off heel He's going to make you want Brian Cage to do absolutely preposterous, powerful things to him. Um, it should be a really good match. It should be a really hot match. As for the finish, there was a certain blocking that felt like a ruse last week where Ricky Starks felt like the one being ostracized visually from the group, whereas I don't think that's the case at all. Um, you can tell by how much Taz 
being the wonderful, wonderful pro wrestling act that he is, has been seething with Brian Cage for quite some time. And if nothing else, I want to hear the actual promo now. Not the one he's cut through gritted teeth, like, despite himself. I want to, I want Team Taz to fully turn on Brian Cage, hand the FTW title over to Ricky Starks, and I want all of that passive, aggressive, quiet menace to just erupt out of Taz's mouth. And Brian Cage is going to be well-positioned to get over as a proper baby face. We can just look at him. He's like Coliseum video for the 21st century. And as, as Hamlet sort of alluded to, it's, it's an open goal, isn't it, to have Team Taz turn on, on Brian Cage. And in particular, with the way that they've tried to help him in matches against like Hangman Page, probably that the title is going to be used in how they take him out to, to cost him the match. Yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they are doing to inform the heft of the conclusion of storylines that they build towards impeccably better than any other promotion. The only issue is that if I'm not overestimating how over Starks is going to be in Texas, like this might fall, not flat, like flat is the one thing it won't do. It will elicit a reaction either way, but maybe not one that like positions Cage as this wronged breakthrough babyface. but you know, that can be done in the next town, in the next city. Um, noise, things being over, like that's going to count more than anything else. Exactly. Sige, when your kids were growing up, did you ever like show them some food that they like and then try and force sort of vegetables down their throat when they're not looking? No. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, before we talk about Yuka Sakazaki, you have to talk about <laughs> Matt Hardy versus Christian Cage. Uh, <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I have worries about this match because the very best thing, the very best thing we can hope for is that for one night only, absolutely cannibalized to death, attitude era residual echo content might get over because fans are up for seeing live wrestling again. Like it's NWO week on the WWE network, and I could not give a single toss. <laughs> like anything stemming from that era. It's just been so analysed, talked about to death. So many guys from that era have continued to wrestle years and years and years past their peak. Certain really nice reinventions aside. What worries me is that if you get the perfect scenario, an appreciative crowd who are going to receive this as a way hotter match than it's like being presented as in the build or how it's got over in the build is that Christian Cage has done very well to just keep up with the guys I've seen him work. He's still, and I don't know if it's just the Jacksonville heat, but he still looks gassed after his matches, like way sweatier than most. His mind is still absolutely diamond sharp, but I don't really trust him to even do a gentleman's three at this point with Matt Hardy. Like, if he's, I just hope it doesn't go too long. Like, come on, lads, these are professionals. You can get a story over, if nothing else, in like eight to nine to 10 minutes. And looking at the fact that there's five other matches, yes, hopefully this will be the case. I'm just thinking the very best we can hope for is a clean, solid, professional pat on the back in gorilla position. Like, oh, that was good. Good, lads. I'm thinking it might fall apart. I'm thinking a slow match that not many people are into might fall apart because the two guys simply are, at this point, too old. 
where this goes on the show is crucial as well because there's feels like there's a number of things this can't follow but then at the same time you can't you don't exactly picture this as a hot opener like pop for christian aside or as you say just novelty of live wrestling pop aside it doesn't necessarily feel like the thing that can like start your show hot but then if it goes in the mid card it kind of just gets there buried in the mid card because it's just not as exciting or thrilling on paper as a lot of other things this is the one case where there's been too much of this in AW lately, but this is the one case where I would campaign for as much around the outside as they want, really indulging it. All those losers, not including the butcher and the blade, but the rest of the losers that hang around with Matt Hardy, like have them out there and then have Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt fight in the corner for Christian. Um, get this out of the way and use it as a move towards something really, really interesting that has almost sold everybody on, which is Christian and Jungle Boy. Um, have Jungle Boy, if not featuring directly in the finish, you know, we know that they've, they're there to be Christian's running buddies. So you just have them turn up towards the end. Christian gets the win. It's relatively clean. And then Jungle Boy's there to raise his hand and almost ruffle his hair. Uh, good work, Christian. Mm. You did away with a guy that you were beating 21 years ago. And look, like I'm, I'm, I'm not even hitting my prime yet. And then you just like let the teases breathe between those two because they have sold an absolutely tremendous match, a fantastic heel turn, um, and the making, the final making of Jungle Boy as a potential main event in this Christian dynamic. And they've done it like brilliantly in plain sight as well. So I'd much rather this exist for that than for any kind of like cathartic blow off to Christian versus Matt Hardy part fifty. As much as. I agree with that take. And yes, the more add-ons, the better. And as I said, like Christian Cage can sort of build a great match in his sleep and he's got, and he will be just permitted to do it. He's effectively going to be like an agent in this scenario, his own agent. It's not weird how the Hardy family office has got like three tag teams. Like, shouldn't he be feuding with each other? Private party, <laughs> Butcher and the Blade, now TH2. It's all just wonky. Everything to do with Matt Hardy just does not feel elite in my opinion. Could this main event though? No, God, no. The coffin oh, match is going to main event. The coffin match is going to main event. I would legitimately probably put this on first, else risk it dying completely. Mm. Oh, regardless, if they show the package that they showed on the road to, uh, I can uh, share this podcast tomorrow with Edge and Jeff Hardy appear on AW Dynamite. So I'll be happy either way. Uh, <laughs> speaking of former WWE guys showing up on AW, uh, let's talk about Malachi Black briefly here, Hamflet. What is next for him after his shock arrival last week? Not a lot, I would imagine. Um, this show is absolutely stacked and it's sometimes better to let something breathe a little bit uh, rather than try and force or wedge something that is too short. Um, it's been a, a dynamite issue that you assume will kind of be like rectified a little bit when Rampage finally debuts. But this idea that we've got to cut from this to this to this to this, and then there's like so much talk about the next day that something disappears out of the conversation. Last week was a success. It was like, I don't think myself or Sidgwick a massive Tommy and Alistair Black, Malachi Black guys, but objectively, the segment was a success. Got a massive reaction in the building. It was the biggest talking point coming off the back of the show. And I don't really want to see them Andrade it by him being like a bit part player mm. on week two. Do a rerun if you want and then have Tony Schiavone say, like, I've actually spoken with Cody and Arn Anderson's not in good health. That kick um, does real damage. Uh, a proper, proper passing remark. It can still be, it can still exist 
without you being slapped in the face with it. And again, like Malachi Black and Cody feel something quite exciting as well. So I wouldn't want to see that rush through when there's a lot to get to on the show. I'd rather like see them be given a little bit more time. It's the live crowd element is interesting because people are going to want to pay to see all the wrestlers on an AEW poster now. So there is the fact that maybe like most people have to feature every week and they're not proven brilliant at that, but just do something for the live crowd or just do something that's that maybe is there for Twitter after the fact. If you absolutely have to deliver these people in front of your paying customers, there's got to be creative ways to do it that don't clog up the TV show. I, I don't know what to do here, but I do know that I'm interested, interested in why he specifically attacked on Anderson. Did he do it just to draw a reaction from Cody? I'm interested in the explanation, but I don't necessarily need it tonight. Tonight, I would be perfectly content with the idea that on tonight's show, they advertise some kind of sit-down interview with Malachi Black and Jim Ross or Shivani or whatever. So we tease the explanation ahead of next week. My goddamn worry, given Malachi Black's character and how it has been revealed through his time in the uh, mental health unit that he made up in his head his WWE experience. And he's in fact spent five years in that psychiatric hospital um, under the delusion that he was in WWE during those five years before he turned um, up in AEW on Anderson was an agent in WWE. <laughs> Hopefully there's an out like that. And I recognize you. It's like, hey, well, you work with each other. Like move on. I really hope that isn't the thread they're trying to pull out here. Um, look, I've got reservations about all of this and yet I'm on the hook. So, don't deliver what you don't need to deliver on a stack show. Like the worst possible thing you could do is cut short matches that people are going to be into. Um, it's going to be interesting, like generally, broadly from like a format perspective, if they're going to rush everything like they were doing three, mm. four, five, six weeks ago, because that stuff will not work. That format that was getting a little bit like, Jesus Christ, lads, calm it down. Isn't going to work in front of a live crowd. You risk totally burning them out. Exactly. Very interesting to see what Malachi Black does and whether he's decided to pick a fight at Earthfest to show up at. <laughs> Wilborn. Right. Okay. We... Well, this is a very honest podcast, Wilborn. And then sometimes after one of us has spoken, you've got one of them in the chamber, you say the words, hmm, very interesting. That is lying to the listeners and lying to us that you've been listening for the last 30 seconds when you first came up with that gag. <laughs> Just wait for my mouth to stop moving. <laughs> <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, we've waited long enough, Michael Sidgwick. Let's talk about a match that uh, everybody, including yourself, is really looking forward to. Wheeler Utah on AEW Dynamite taking on Sammy Guara. Seriously, though, I don't know a great deal about him, but I've heard very good things from his appearances on AEW Dark. Uh, Wheeler Utah is a very highly touted prospect. Um, he's kind of worked everywhere that one can work if one is talented enough to get work there um, during the pandemic. Um, he's done shots on ROH and uh, New Japan Strong. In addition to AEW Dark, he wouldn't be getting those shots if he wasn't highly regarded. And he is, and he is for a good reason. He's very much a good work rate independent wrestler in his 20s. You don't get a huge amount of what he is as a character because I've just dipped in and out from various recommendations. He works a modern hybrid style, if you like, very good on the mat, very agile. He can, he's like one of these millions of guys that can work like a really good match. Um, so I think it'll take years to get something really out of him as like a TV star, but he's very, very good. And the reason why they've paired him with Sammy Guevara tonight is in fact because he's very very good um Sammy Guevara is from Texas he's another one of those guys who um work the towns in Texas on the rise he will get a hero's reception particularly now that he's one over into a baby face and this is essentially one a platform to get him over through a very, very, very good match, potentially even a great little firecracker if it's given the time. And two, I expect some kind of post-match attack from Sean Spears, leading to um, a chairs match on Fighter Fest Night 2 with the idea that if you get him from the end of Stadium Stampede, from Blood and Guts and Stadium Stampede, which we can all agree Guevara was the best bit about both those matches, to the MGF match, um, if he gets another showcase here, which is going to be as loud as it is good, that's the plan anyway, to then blow off the Sean Spears feud with the chairs match again in Texas, they will have very, very capably mapped out an arc in which he very much gets over as this white hot baby face star on the rise. So I expect all of those things to happen and I expect everything that he does to light up this crowd. Oh, yeah, I could be getting mixed up as well, but you might know the subject. Wheeler Utah, was there a loose alignment with the best friends on a dark lately or a dark elevation? He's worked alongside like them, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's just if because he... Trent's been out. Ah, uh, has he just been like filling that role kind of thing? It's just, it's nice to sort of think of AW's big picture, I guess. And I did think, because obviously I was assuming that there'd be like some Sean Spears involvement, maybe some wider pinnacle involvement while Sammy Guevara is potentially isolated and what you might have quite neat is that Wheelie not being an out and out heel for Sammy Guevara to beat put himself you know a a newcomer that wants a shot also falling afoul of the pinnacle and it sidelines a couple of members of the pinnacle off with the best friends for when the inner circle is over you know you can can start like planting the seeds for the the next group they want to batter or indeed like another tag team match for example 
where you might see, I don't know, um, FTR want to take out the best friends or like Orange Cassidy, at least ahead of something with them. It just it like made me think of how you can sprawl a little bit with the pinnacle while we're now kind of at last on the on the road to the finale of all of this. On the like Jericho's now got his trials of Hercules or whatever it is. Like we're, we're heading to a finale. We're going to have this uh, Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara match. So it might be nice for the pinnacle to maybe mix in in somebody else's mm. business ahead of whatever it is they've got next. Uh, we're also going to hear from Hangman Page tonight. What do you reckon he's going to have to say, Michael Hamflet? Is it time to start getting further down that road with Kenny Omega yet? I, I just can't call it, and I love that. Um, I've been wrong-footed like, in the last two weeks over where they're going to go with Hangman Page. I didn't imagine you'd get an immediate re- like response from Page in the Dark Order after Eva Luna's first face-off with Kenny Omega. I certainly didn't imagine that we'd be getting teased a bookshop that like luxurious revolution callback and that moment between them where the point where they were close enough together that you could finally get a face-to-face photo to use for your cover images and thumbnails of Hangman and Kenny because it's going to happen. Like I didn't think we'd be there already. So it seems foolish to try and predict our fantasy book where they're going to go next with like the best story in wrestling. I don't want, um, I don't particularly want Hangman Page to just show confidence and show willing i think it slightly slightly betrays not fully at this point knowing everything that he's gone through but i think it slightly betrays precisely where hangman page is at i do feel like there's maybe not so much one more setback anymore but just like one more smaller mountain left to climb um he could have hit kenny last week and he didn't and i love them laboring on why that might have been was it a confidence was it that hangman page is so pure that he still believes in friendship because the Dark Order has taught him the meaning of that and he wants to sort of bring that back out of Kenny again. Is it fear of Kenny? Is it fear of himself? Blah, 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 blah. Like, all that sort of stuff is great. And I just want to see one more little development of Hangman Page before we start basically producing Page and Omega match graphics. That's how good this is. I think there's more to it before you just race to the, the conclusion. I don't know anything. I know one thing. I know that Kenny Omega's having a match at Fight for the Fallen because they snuck that little detail in the promo last week. Um, Kenny Omega needs an opponent for Fight for the Fallen, and it should be Hangman Page, um, because he's the number one contender. And Eva Luna put it back on him. Well, why are you afraid of him? So they've turned the question back around. But as I've said, the absolute best thing about this is, one, everything is cloaked, if you like, with the idea that AEW knows what they're doing. They're not going to do... Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page, which is probably the biggest match they have at time of recording on TV, or at least that's not going to be the last one. They've got All Out and Arthur Ashe. So when does this match happen? Why did they tease it happening at Fight for the Fallen? It's all too early. I've got absolutely no idea where we are on this journey. All I know is I want to be on this journey as much as I want to get to the destination. I want both of those things equally. It's absolutely the best thing happening in pro wrestling right now. Sorry, SmackDown fans. And I want it as much as I don't. And I don't know when I'm going to get it. It's proper masterful stuff because no one can analyze it. Only they can tell it. I just had this thought, and I know I'm known for my preposterous ideas and uh, outlandish booking, let's just say. We hear from Hangman Page 
doesn't suggest necessarily an in-ring promo. Could Sidge this be one of Nakazawa's edit jobs where he just... I don't want to face Kenny Omega, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it. All I know is that in my head, this is going on at All Out, or at least the second or third, um, including full gear match, is going to go on at All Out. There needs to be something that nags away at his confidence. There might even, since the question was turned back on Kenny Omega, it's actually you who's afraid. It's you who won't speak his name. It's you who's trying to gloss past the ranking system. What about an injury angle? And then Evil Uno, who Kenny Omega's been directly feuding with, if almost, in effect, Evil Uno versus Kenny Omega at five for the fall. It'd be the second. How's he got a title match? Well, they could just do an eliminator. Mm. I'd quite I'd, because Hangman Page got so physical last week with everyone but Kenny. I wouldn't have a huge problem with um, Hangman Page trying to get something out and then being like interrupted by uh, Kazarian, who want he said you know asks him to sort of help. He can see what he's doing as an elite hunter, and it just like say it books itself a tag match, and you get Kaz and Hangman versus the Good Brothers or something, and that's at this point you're a hop, skip, and a jump away from Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega because Page was willing to get physical to defend the Dark Order last week and Kazarian needs mm. allies in this never-ending battle against the Elite. So I wouldn't mind saying, like, it was really quite, one of the most exhilarating things about a segment full of exhilarating moments was seeing Hangman fight off Kenny's best mates, effectively. This is no longer just him watching all of it from a distance. This is something he's prepared to get involved with apart from that very last step. So mm. I wouldn't be opposed to something like that. Uh, right, Sige, let's talk about the return of Yuka Sakazaki. She's taken on Penelope Ford tonight, and you've been looking forward to this for months. Absolutely. I remain firmly convinced that Yuka Sakazaki can get over huge, absolutely huge, um, with AEW fans. The only problem is they're not going to go all the way. They're not going to carefully map out this huge arc on our behalf because this is an excursion effectively an excursion that will in all likelihood lead to a match with Britt Baker stemming from the fact that Britt Baker knocked a tooth out it's a great way to get Britt Baker over as, a, over as a heel if in fact they're still going in that direction all I know about tonight's match is I'm expecting one of the better AEW women's matches in quite some time there hasn't been a particularly great one since double or nothing um, if I'm right in thinking one of my favorite things about Yukazakazaki is that she's so enchanting and she's so great at this sort of like impish character that she portrays. She's so good at counters. She can cartwheel over the ropes to beguile her opponents. Um, she can wrap herself up in the turnbuckles and sort of like just duck and dodge. And she's just absolutely great at that. She's having a match with Penelope Ford, who did one of the best counters I've seen in recent years against Takara Shida. Fighter Fest, actually, when um, she did the uh, Matrix spot mm-hmm. when Akara Shida was about to do a missile dropkick. I'm expecting an incredibly creative sleeper hit. And Yuka Sakazaki should and probably will get over, um, mm-hmm. go over, sorry, certainly will get over. Um, yeah, I'm expecting something really clever, really, really clever here. It's just a really cool book in this. A really, really cool book in. It's, of course, like... It'd be nicer. It, there's every chance this ends up getting slotted in the quarter hour, which remains this like noose around all the necks, unfortunately. But like 
it's kind of the best possible combination of women to be wrestling right now when you look at the trajectories. Penelope Ford was owed more than she was getting until recently, and that seems to finally be changing, and things seem to be swinging a little bit more in her direction. It's, you know, I wouldn't say it's wholly about her yet, but the fact that this is, what, the second Dynamite match for her in three weeks or four weeks, like, is shows more consistency than would typically show to women that are on the losing end of these matches. Mm. Yuka Zakazaki here for what we would imagine will be this short-term program with Britt Baker, or certainly something short-term and high-profile is expected to get the win. But yeah, sleeper hit. Um, cool moves, but not wasted ones. You know, not just stuff that's for the gifts and stuff that's for something that people can talk about on Twitter the next day. It's again, it's it's a match. And I, like, I can't believe I'm really saying this, but we were at this point with Hikaru Shida when Britt Baker was on the ascendancy. It's a match better than the things that are going on with the AEW women's title. Mm. I wish that wasn't the case with Britt on top, but I, it shows that like the bones of something great are still here. I just wish they could pull it all together at the same time. Yeah, very excited to see you Sakazaki back in an AEW ring. Uh, before we get to this coffin match then, Hamlet. We glanced at AEW social media and there's a tiny clip at the end of uh, the road to for, for this show regarding Miro and the TNT Championship. Some sort of illusions around him changing the TNT title as it has changed him. Any ideas for that tonight? I mean, this is just a fun one to speculate on, isn't it? Like, belt stuff is always weird. Like, people like custom titles. It's a a unique avenue for creativity that people often don't consider. You only need to think of something like Daniel Bryan's personalised world title as a recent example for how well done stuff like this can be. Uh, like, it's a, a low-key one because it was all an accident, but there was something beautiful about Cody having that unfinished TNT title and making more of it than the physical belt itself last year. Um, obviously, this belt in itself is a fairly new design with the original one being given to Brody Lee. So uh, I think there is a... There's a window to do something quite fun with Miro's character today. He is a circus strongman in 2021 with psychopathic megalomaniacal tendencies. Like, there's a lot of fun ways you can go with customising a belt. He had that ginormous medal when he was Rusev, like Rusev's medal of, like, awesome, like, strongman drama, whatever it was. He had the... Didn't he have, like, the... It was on a, a ginormous disc that was on, like, a, a like, the ribbon that was made of the either the Russian flag mm, yeah. or whichever flag he was repping at the time. Um, they could go daft with it. It's it's a sort of daft that this Miro will have no problem getting over. So I've got an eye on this. Uh, like it's It could be nothing. It could just be a little tease he's put in there and it's going to be ha- about how he's going to defend it. It's not going to be a weekly defence, but he's going to set up his own ranking system and you've got to get to the top of the mirror rankings to get a shot against him because he's God's champion and it's the title defences God would want or something daft like that. But this character is so over that you can't not be intrigued by this. You could remove the, the centre plate off the strap, poke a hole through it and like wear it as a halo. <laughs> <laughs> have like, uh, you could do it as a cross. Like, I don't know. I've got absolutely no idea. But you know they've got a good one. Like, if that makes any sense at all. I don't know what the hell it is. It'll probably be great. Everything Miro touches turns to gold. And yeah, should be class. Just got any idea what the hell it is. No, exactly. Anything. I've got a feeling there's going to be content in it, though. Yeah, yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's um, a list coming tomorrow where this is going to be entry, entry number 10. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, right, let's finish up, uh, Sige, with the coffin match. Darby Allen versus Ethan Page. Uh, if you haven't seen The Road 2, I'd suggest you watch that just for the build to this match. A wonderful sort of history plotted between these two. And I love the 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 dickhead energy that's coming from Ethan Page, if that makes any sense. Very different. Very different to knobhead energy that I get from the Young Bucks. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a change in it somehow. But yeah. The intensity, but also, God, you're an arsehole. But I really like this this Ethan Page character. Um, I think we've, uh, when well, the moment this was mentioned, we've already booked some spots for this. So uh, take me through it, Sige, and, and who emerges victorious? I don't know if I need this match, you know. It's going to be great. It's going to be miles and miles removed from the old WWF casket matches of yore. But, like, cases on the rise potentially getting dinged on your phone. Like, I'm anxious enough at the minute hmm. about the prospect of Darby Allen doing something absolutely ridiculous, even if it's half as unhinged as our Evolve stuff was. And it will be. Hmm. Like, this is going to be absolute murder on the old heart. This is not going to be a casket match in the traditional, Jesus Christ, this is boring sense of the word. You're not going to get The Undertaker slowly rolled into an object. It's going to be a wild, possibly arena-wide plunder brawl. Um, Hamlet said the other week, and I do think they're going to go with the same idea of, much like a modern WWE ladder match, there will be several ladders littered about the arena. So there'll be coffins around the ring, some standing upright, um, one by the ring, some by the entrance stage, maybe... They'll do the Eagle's Edge off the ramp after they make the way up to it or like threaten to do that and then Paige can take the bump. All I know is it's going to be a wild, it's going to be way more of a false count anywhere match than a casket match. Um, Darby Allen goes over because he's the star and after a middling introduction, Ethan Page is very much established as an entertaining character on this show who can withstand a defeat. Um, I'm expecting this to be fantastic, just in a way that I don't know if my heart can handle. <laughs> I is it, yeah, is it too on the nose to have Ethan Page be in a coffin and then get coffin dropped and then have the lid closed on him? Assuming no. it's a lid closed and not a bit like that's why it's, <laughs> I don't know if WWE's trademarked a casket match or mm. if coffin just has much better synergy with the Darby Allen character, but this can be a coffin drop in the coffin match, of course, mm. there is. Yeah, like WWE used to say coffin. It seems like one of the things that Vince went off the word, doesn't it? He just heard casket and preferred it to coffin or something like that. Probably because he hates literal coffin in his meetings and he just associates <laughs> that. To, it's like a coffin, a sneeze, he'd rather have a casket. But like, I don't know, it's... I, I'm not like... Um, I think I'm somewhere with Cedric on this one, actually. This should be awesome. It's going to be great to look at. Fireworks factory stuff, as you'd say, over on. Um, but I, like, I'm not terribly in the mood for the for the theme of it and like the Darby Allen Ethan Page stuff seems to rely on that like all of everything that everything that we know about what Ethan why Ethan Page wants so badly to hurt Darby Allen is that he wants to like be licking his lips after doing the most violent thing he can think of so I, I don't know and there's been like loads of that on Dynamite lately as well like they've got a top last week's uh, main event for like like daft violence and Eddie Kingston was getting like drawing pins kicked down his throat yeah. so like they've got there'll be a bar to to like leap over and Darby Allen and Ethan Page will absolutely do that 
but like how much will we want it on this jam-packed show? It probably has to main event for those reasons again. Yeah. It, like it probably has to go on last because I I do I can't imagine much following this with what they've probably got in mind and what they'll probably be permitted to do. And if you build it for ages, it's definitely gonna main event. Yeah. I'd put money on it. I, I dread to think, like you say, what they're going to do off the back of that and the fact that the appetizer for all this was the footage on the road to... I'd forgotten about that sodding spot that Darby Allen did with the cracker barrel onto the stairs, where it's just like, there's no there's no bouncing us there, mate. That's all just... Everything's just so bloody solid. Um, finally, uh, Sidge, Sting, any involvement in this or just keep him out of it? Potential Scorpio Sky comes out. And you get a Sting music deal to get like a mega pop, an arena sized mega pop. I would want it to inform the finish. Do the trick where they'll do some chicanery to add juice to a story or a story that's sort of dovetailing with another one and then have three more minutes of the finish so it never feels like one person's been like helped or cheated out. You know what I mean? Mm. Just a, a nice little add on two minutes before it makes it seem like the result is murky. Might I yet. want um, I want Scorpio Sky to walk out to help Darby, uh, to help Ethan Page, and then trying to throw Darby Allen into a propped up coffin, and then they open the propped up coffin. There's things in there because you can do that with Sting. It's coffin stuff. He's been stood there the whole time. He's been having a kip, and then he chases Scorpio Sky off. And as you say, you get your you get your finish where nobody else is involved. My only concern, aside from as you say, the just mad bumps they're going to do in that coffin drop into an open coffin. Uh, probably with Ethan Page stuck in stuck inside is fair few images of flaming coffins in the build to this. Please, like you say, we've 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 been through enough. I, I don't need any any more of that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, a, a really exciting show to look forward to tonight. It's absolutely stacked card. Let us know your thoughts ahead of the show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Our NXT review is available right now. And our review of this show will be available tomorrow. Slightly delayed admin issues, nothing serious, but it will be uh, later than usual. So don't, don't spam us on Twitter. It, it will be coming. Trust me, we will be getting there in the end. But as I said, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for that. But this has been the AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest Night one preview my thanks to the dadly boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow & Go Facial Set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.